This is a sermon by Horatius Boner, one of my favorite 19th century Scottish ministers and theologians. Heavenly Father, bless the reading of this sermon. Fill the reader with your Holy Spirit. Cause us to rejoice and draw close to the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. Bring conviction of sin that we might not walk in darkness, Lord, but that we might walk in the light of your word, in fellowship with you, and that we might shine as bright lights in this dark world, that we might be a city set upon a hill, that we might be a lamp in an, in, in, in an open and visible and high place, Lord, not put among, under a basket or under a bed. Father, so glorify this uh, message, your name in this message, Lord. Glorify your Son, Jesus Christ, and cause us to rejoice. Thank you for your love and mercy towards us. Thank you for the forgiveness of our sins. In Jesus' name, amen. So this is a sermon of Horatius Boner called Christ the Healer. And the quote is, If I may but touch his garment... I shall be made whole, Matthew 9, verse 21. If I may but touch his garment, I shall be made whole. Here we may say that we have the record of one who had learned to do justice to the love of God, to the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not of many can this be said in a world of unbelief like ours, but here is one, the lady that was healed by the Lord Jesus, who had the flow of blood. We do not know her name. No other part of her history has told us. She is brought before us simply as one who trusted in the Son of God, who had tasted that the Lord was gracious. Like a sudden star, she shines out and then disappears. But her simple faith remains as our example. It is not the great multitude thronging Christ that here draws our eye. It is the woman and the Lord, the sick one and her healer, the sinner and the saviour, from everyone else our eyes turned and fixed on these. In this brief narrative concerning them, we find such things as the following. One, the way in which these two are thrown together. The Lord has just received the ruler's message concerning his little daughter, and he is hastening to Capernaum. His direct errand is about her, but on his way the father finds much for him to do, and by chance, as men say, this sick woman crosses his path and detains him a moment, for it is only sickness or sorrow or death that either detain him or hasten him on. In his blessed path as the healer, he is ever willing to be arrested by the sons of men, counting this no detention, no trouble, no hindrance, but the true fulfillment of his heavenly mission. Opportunities such as these were welcome to him, nor was he at any time too busy, too much in haste, to take up the case of the needy, however suddenly brought before him. To him no interruption was unwelcome, which appealed to his love or power. These by errands of the Son of Man were often his most blessed ones, as at Nain and Jacob's well. And the sycamore of Jericho, I know not whether we prize our own by errands sufficiently or our accidental opportunities of working or speaking for God. We like to plan and to carry out our plans to the end, and we do not quite like interruptions or detentions. Yet these may be, after all, our real work. Little can we guess when forming our plans for the day on what errands God may send us. I think of this story of Spurgeon. Sorry, I'm reading, uh, reading Bonar now, Horatius Bonar now, but I think of the story of Spurgeon testing the acoustics um, in uh, 
Crystal Palace because he was going to preach there and him opening his mouth and saying with all his voice, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the uh, sin of the world. And uh, the man working up in the gantry in the far distance of the uh, Crystal Palace heard this uh, scripture. It came to him with such power that he was converted through it. Um, the unexpected things. If you're an open-air preacher, sometimes you think you're preaching to the people in front of you and the police may be there looking agitated, but the police need to hear the gospel as well. And one of the things that I've experienced on multitudes of occasions when preaching in the open air is people who stop their cars at traffic lights nearby wind down the window and for the time it takes for the lights to change they hear a gospel message, then they wind up the window and drive off again when the lights go green. Sometimes God uses the small things that we don't think about very much that, to do his greatest work. And that's what Bonar's saying here, I believe. These by errands of the Son of Man, sorry, to him no interruption was unwelcome, which appealed to his love or power. These by errands of the Son of Man were often his most blessed ones, as at Nain and Jacob's well and the sycamore of Jericho. I know not whether we prize our own by errands sufficiently, our accidental opportunities of working or speaking for God. We like to plan and carry out our plans to the end. We've said this already. Little can we guess when forming our plans for the day on what errands God may send us. And as little can we foresee when setting out, even on the shortest journey, what opportunity may cross our path of serving the Master and blessing our fellow men. Whitfield, on his way to Glasgow, is drawn aside unexpectedly to tarry a night in the house of strangers. To that family he brings salvation. I could tell you a story about that too, but I'm not going to, because there isn't time. He frets a little, but sets out to walk the ten miles as best he may. He's picked up by a kind stranger in a carriage, a man of the world, who has not been in the house of God for years. He speaks a word, gives a book, thanks the stronger in the master's name for his kindness, and joys to learn some years after that he missed the train in order to be the messenger of eternal life to a heedless stranger. Two, the occasion of their being brought together. It is the incurability of the woman's ailment by earthly skill that throws her upon the heavenly physician. Now take note, I'm a doctor and I see thousands of patients every year and the thing that I say most often to my patients is this, I'm sorry, but there's nothing I can do with you, do for you. So it's just as true today as it was in those days. I'm sorry, but there's nothing I can do for you to most of my patients. The second most common thing is, I'm uh, sorry, the first is, I'm sorry, there's nothing I can do for you. The second is, I'm sorry, I don't know what's wrong with you. After that, we start the real medicine, start to treat people. Well, no, that was real medicine um, that we were talking about. Saying to people that there's nothing we can do for them is really, really important um, so that they understand the situation. Um, that is real medicine also, I digress. The occasion of their being brought together, it is the incurability of the woman's ailment by earthly skill that throws her upon the heavenly physician. Man has done his utmost for 12 years but has failed. She gets worse, not better. But man's failure brings her to one who cannot fail. Man's helplessness shuts her up to help that is almighty and sends her to one who can do exceeding abundantly above all she asks or thinks. How slow are we to turn from man to God? Not twelve years, but many times twelve years do we continue in our trouble. 
trying successive remedies, going to one and another and another physician, crying, heal me, heal me. We hew out cistern after cistern, and still, as each one breaks, we try another. We go the round of vanity and pleasure and sin, endeavouring to fill our empty souls and turning away at last with the despairing cry, Oh, who will show us any good? But, like the prodigal, we begin to bethink ourselves, There is bread enough in our father's house, we say. Shall we not arise and seek it? We have tried man, shall we not try God? We have gone to earthly wells, shall we not try the heavenly? Thus, earthly disappointment is the introduction to heavenly blessedness. The uselessness of human medicines sends us to the balm of Gilead and to the physician that is there. Nor does he reject us because we have tried him last and because we would fain have done without him if we could. He welcomes us as if we had come to him first, nor does he upbraid us with our delay. Such grace and love and mercy and tenderness and long-suffering and goodness loving kindness in the Lord Jesus Christ yet men won't come to him and seek healing from him blessed failures happy disappointments that thus throw men with their poor aching hearts upon the loving kindness of the Lord three the point of connection between them it is the woman's malady incurability is the occasion of the connection but the point or link of connection is the disease itself had it not been for this, she would not have sought the Lord. It is not that which is whole about her, but that which is diseased, that draws the healer to the sick one, and the sick one to the healer. So it is sin that is our point of connection. Not our good, but our want of good, may our evil or our <clears throat> not our good, but our want of good, may our evil, our total evil, our death in this life, our weakness in his strength, our poverty, and his riches. These are the things that meet and clasp each other. All connection with the Son of God must begin with our sin. For he came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. He, the Lord Jesus Christ, receives sinners. He saves the lost. This is the point in dispute between the Saviour and the self-righteous sinner. This is the truth that we are so slow to learn, yet it is the essence of the gospel. Did we but fully know and act upon this, how differently should we treat the Lord? Distrust and distance would be ended, for the cause of these would be taken out of the way. We stand aloof from him because we do not see in him the receiver of sinners, nor thoroughly recognize either his absolute goodness or our absolute evil sinfulness a good thought a fervent feeling an earnest prayer a sorrowful tear these are great things in our eyes because we think they will recommend us to him and form so many points at which he and we may come into contact with each other alas for our folly and unbelief and alas for the misery and the darkness which they produce we will not trust him for his own grace and goodness we must bribe him to bless us. We would hide the evil in us and we would display the good in order to induce him to take us into favour. But it is not thus that he receives. 
It is with sin he deals, and we must bring him that. It is with disease that he deals, and we must bring him that. If we refuse, there can be no meeting between him and us till we meet before the throne. For the woman's need of Christ, hers had been a sore and long sickness, a great and long need. Yet it was her need that made her welcome, blessed need that makes us welcome to the Lord. We are sinners and we need forgiveness. We're sinners and we need a saviour. The Lord Jesus bids us welcome. As with the woman, so with us, we need Christ. And what an amount of need is implied in this. A man that needs a hundred pounds is needy, but the man who needs ten thousand is far more so. That we need Christ, nothing less than Christ, yet nothing more, is the most appalling, yet also the most comforting announcement of a sinner's state that could be made. Nothing could be said more fitted to awaken, to alarm, to humble than this. You need Christ. Such is the nature and the extent of your need that less than the incarnate Son and his fullness cannot avail you. We need Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ. We need him. This is the reason for our coming to him and for his receiving us. We go to him, we deal with him, we make our case known to him because we need him. Maybe our sense of sin or our want of a sense of sin. It may be our ignorance, our stupidity, our insensibility, our conscious absence of all goodness. It matters not. Only let these bring us at once and directly to himself. The emptiness is ours, but the fullness is his. Infinite fullness dispensed by infinite love. Five, Christ's need of the woman. Does it sound strange to say that Christ needed the woman? It is true, and as blessed as it is true. The speaker needs his audience as truly as the audience needs a speaker. The physician needs the sick man as truly as the sick man the physician. Otherwise, people like me would be out of a job. The sun needs the earth as truly as the earth needs the sun. You may say, what would the earth be without the sun? Yes, but what would the sun be without an earth to shine upon? What would become of its radiance? All wasted. It would shine in vain. So Christ needed objects for the exercise of his skill and love and power. His fullness needed emptiness like ours to draw it out. Otherwise it would have been pent up and unemployed. He is glorified not simply in the possession of fullness, but in the using of it. If it remain within himself, he is unglorified and the Father is unglorified. He needed opportunities for drawing out his treasures. He needed the publican as truly, though not in the same sense and way, as the publican needed him. He needed Mary Magdalene and the woman of Sychar and Simon the leper and Lazarus of Bethany as truly as they needed him. How cheering! The Lord hath need of us in the sense that God will be glorified in his people, that he will show his glory through the work he does in us, not because there's anything good in us, but because God can take wretched sinners like us and he can use us for his glory. It's God's choice to do that. Sovereign choice. The Lord hath need of us. 
He needs guilty ones to pardon. He needs empty ones to fill. Lord, I'm empty. Fill me, Lord. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. He needs poor ones to enrich. How precious and how ample is the gospel contained in this blessed truth. Six, the woman's thoughts of Christ. Her thoughts of herself are poor. She is modest and diffident, unwilling to abtrade herself on the master. She is in earnest about her cure, but she takes the quietest way of obtaining it. Her desire to touch his garment is not error or ignorance, as if supposing that some virtue lay in its hem, nor is her wish for secrecy unbelief, but simply humility. Humility accompanied with such faith in him that she feels assured that a touch of his raiment will suffice. She is unwilling to detain or trouble him, and she has such high thoughts of him as to convince her that a direct appeal is not needed. A touch will do, one touch of his garment. Thus she thinks within herself, in the simplicity of her happy faith. She knows his fullness is infinite, and that simple contact with him in any form will draw it out. The healing virtue in him is irrepressible. Like the sun, he cannot but shine. Like the garden, he cannot but give out his fragrance. Only let her come within touch of his raiment, and all is well. She touched, and as she believed, so was it to her. All was well. Let such be our thoughts of this heavenly healer. He is the same in heaven as on earth. There still goes virtue out of him to heal the sons of men. Let us do justice to his love and skill, thinking no evil of him, but only good. The simplest form of connection with him, with the Lord Jesus Christ, will accomplish the cure. Listening to his voice, that will do it. A look at his countenance, that will do it. A clasp of his hand, that will do it. A touch of his garment, even of its hem, that will do it. For as many as touch him are made perfectly whole. Amen. Have you closed with the Lord Jesus Christ? Have you met with him? Have you received him? Have you repented of your sin? Have you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ? Have you sought him because nobody else can deliver you from your sin? Maybe you've tried religion or religions. Maybe you tried atheism and learned and came to see at your cost that the Bible is true when it says that the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Many of those today saying there is no God, but yet the God in heaven holds them in derision for their unbelief and their sin. And maybe you're at the wit's end of yourself, and maybe you've tried every cure possible, and now, now you can reach out and touch the Lord Jesus Christ. And Bonar's right, any true communication with the Lord Jesus Christ, whatever it be, done in faith, saving faith, is sufficient. There are those who reach out to touch the Lord Jesus Christ, but they're not sincere. They don't, they don't quite reach him. They're not quite touching him because their heart isn't in it. But those who reach out and touch him are those who seek him with all their hearts. The Bible says, you will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. There is the Lord Jesus. God has set him before us. He is near at hand, the Bible says. The Lord Jesus is near at hand to us. And if we call on him and we seek him and we touch him by faith, then our sins will be forgiven and we will have a saviour in heaven and a certain hope of everlasting life.
in your heart, reach out and touch the Lord Jesus Christ today and you will be healed. Amen. Heavenly Father, bless this short sermon, but make it powerful in the hearts and ears and lives of those who hear it. Oh Lord, may there be a turning again. Have mercy upon the people of Scotland, upon the people of Glasgow, Lord, mentioned in this sermon. Have mercy upon the nation of the United Kingdom today, Lord. Oh, awaken people to their lostness. Awaken them to your power, Lord. And those in America today, Lord, who are sweltering in a terrible heat wave. Some died, Lord. Some wondering what's happening. Some cursing God for this heat wave, a God they say they don't believe in. But Lord, may there be those who wake up and see that none of these things happen apart from your hand. And may this heat wave be for some, Lord, the greatest possible blessing, just as the woman's flow of blood for 12 years was the greatest possible blessing because it taught her that the doctors couldn't help her, that the only one could help her was the Lord Jesus Christ. And oh Lord, may these come to you, may they find you, may they seek you, Lord. When all other help fails, may they come to you, Lord, and find you a saviour who is available, a saviour who is willing to listen, a saviour who is powerful, whose arm is not so shortened that it cannot save. A saviour who is mighty to save, mighty to deliver. A saviour who is willing to save, the, save them. A saviour who bids them to come. A saviour who desires them to come. A saviour who has promised to receive them, to help them, and to give them everlasting life. Or may there be those, even in the midst of that heat wave, Lord, who are awakened today, who say, something's not right in the world, something's going on, this is the hand of God, this is God that's doing this, and we must repair to him, without delay. Oh Lord, pour out your Holy Spirit on poor sinners in the western half of the United States and save them from their sin and deliver them from the wrath to come and cause them to go on their way rejoicing in the Lord Jesus Christ when they find his salvation and the mercy of God that comes through him. And this we ask and pray in his precious name. Amen. <clears throat> because that message was short and unexpected, I will just um, mention the uh, story that I was going to uh, tell um, at one point there in my own life, um, going back 38 years ago now, not long after I became a Christian. And um, <clears throat> because uh, this story was, uh, the, the desire to tell this story is, is um, because uh, Whitfield was delayed at a house because of bad weather on his way to Glasgow. and. Uh, as a result that the family was saved. And God sends us in different directions and sometimes we end up talking to people most unexpectedly about their souls and God calls us to do that. That's counted as gospel witness and testimony and it's precious in God's eyes. Remember the Bible says, I was found by those that sought me not. Well anyway, it was the middle of winter and I was with a friend um, driving through the highlands of Scotland on a tiny single track road, a shortcut, it was snowy and uh, we went round a bend in the road, hit black ice and the car went over a cliff, which was pretty scary. Um, but we landed upside down on some trees which broke our fall. Thank God for that. The car was ruined. The, um, the uh, roof caved in and everything, but we were unharmed. That was a great mercy from God. So we got out of the car, we found our coats neatly folded behind the car and two Bibles. <laughs> so we picked them up and walked up to the road 
Um, okay, not many, not many cars going that way in the middle of winter. So we walked to a very large house just along the road in the middle of nowhere. And we were very kindly received by the lady and her husband that were there. Um, we were able to call for help and um, uh, we were picked up by friends eventually and, and, and taken back. Um, but the key thing is, for the couple of hours that we were there, we were able to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with a family living right out in the middle of nowhere in Scotland. And that was a wonderful opportunity for the gospel. Our car crash was their hearing of the gospel. And that was appointed by God from eternity. There were children in the house too who heard the gospel. Now, now I can't tell you what happened after we left. One sows, another reaps. I don't know what became of that family, but I know that God sent us there in that remarkable way to be a witness to that family at that time. Heavenly Father, I don't know the name of that family. I don't know what happened to them, but I know that you sent us, two of us there, to preach the gospel, to speak the gospel to that family for several hours through what would appear to be a catastrophe. And yet your love and mercy was shown to us, revealed to us uh, in the folding of the coats, in the um, in the laying down of the Bibles, Lord, in the um, trees were just below where we went off the road. Your love and mercy was in that all the way, and you sent us to that house. Father, I pray that even now, as those, as that couple uh, would be elderly now, and as those children would be well into adulthood, Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would have mercy upon them, and that the word that was spoken, preached to them so long ago, 38 years ago, might even, if it hasn't done already, Father, come alive this very day in their hearts, that you draw their attention, Lord, to the Word of God. You draw them attention to the need for salvation. And that even now, even now, Lord, those who were witnessed to so long ago, that they might find your salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. And this I ask and pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen.